0: On today's pod, we have another recording of Match, and this week is actually quite different because we have three panelists that are involved in recruiting, and so they share some tips and advice of how to write a proper resume, some interview advice, so please lean in and enjoy this very informative episode with Maurice, Christina, and Christina.
1: and um, so yeah I just wanted to mention to the panelists that this will be uploaded to the Ryerson University podcast it's going to be recorded Um, the theme for today is careers resumes uh, CVs and some tips about job interview interview processes Um, so we'll start off with a brief introduction Uh, Christina if you can just um, well there's two Christina's today so I'll call Christina Conforti, Chris. So Chris, if you can um, just give, give us a brief introduction about yourself.
2: Yes, hello everyone. Um, so my name's Christina, as Stefania introduced me, I do work for Longos, the grocery store chain and the GTA. I am the team lead at uh, their customer care department there. So I oversee about 25 people along with uh, the customer care interactions at store level, when you're checking out your groceries, getting your food when you're
1: hungry. Okay, great, thank you. And Maurice, a brief introduction.
3: Hey everyone, sorry, I'm having some camera issues. Um, My name is Maurice Fernandez and I'm the career education specialist for the Faculty of Science. So at Ryerson, we operate under a faculty labor model. And so what that means is that each faculty has a dedicated career education team. Uh, And so I'm I'm fortunate enough and privileged enough to work with the Faculty of Science. Uh, So um, I help students kind of navigate the world of work careers. um, And for some students, that's actually grad school as well. So part of the services I provide is helping students navigate uh, those processes um, and talk about their career paths. So some of them are very linear, and others are not so linear. So yeah, and I've been with Ryerson now three years. uh, And then prior to that, I spent uh, 20 years in HR recruitment. So uh, attracting talent uh, all across STEM fields. Um, And part of my portfolio, part of my HR portfolio is actually uh, early talent campus recruitment. So looking forward to today's chat.
1: Yeah, we'll get into that a bit later. And Christina, if you want to just go ahead and give us a brief introduction about yourself. You're on mute.
4: <laughs> great yeah so i'm christina i work at bell um i've been there for about a year now um sorry one second My internet.
2: does she cut
1: out her internet is good okay i'm really confused yeah. i need two more reasons <laughs> <laughs> i think uh the- did her Wi-Fi cut out? I'll
0: message her. We can just move on, probably.
1: OK. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll go back to Christina, Chris. Um, so what was your undergraduate degree? And is the job you're working in now what you always, like what you planned on doing?
2: So my undergraduate degree, I actually got my, I got an honors in my bachelor's of science. So I graduated from Ryerson in 20, sorry, my degree's up here. Doesn't even say the date. 2017, June 2017 is when I graduated um yeah so I did I started off in Ryerson as an undeclared science just in my first year because just because I wasn't too sure exactly what I wanted to do in terms of the overall science field and then come second year that's when I had to choose my major so I went with biology um, however I ended up working in customer care so that is a complete like 180 from science and no what I study does not have anything to do with what I'm working with now but definitely choosing that science study career path um, definitely heightened my critical thinking skills which I carry on with me day in and day out in the workplace
0: so like what do you think you gain specifically like just like a thinking in a different way from
2: from yeah definitely thinking in a different way Um, I'm sure are you guys third year or fourth year So I'm sure you guys are very aware of like the workload that comes with a science degree. So managing that workload while working part-time. So I actually started off on Longo just working part-time through high school and university. And then it ended up turning into a full-time job. Um, But yeah, definitely managing that like full-time workload of a student. So you're, what is it? 30, I think you're doing more than 30 hours a week, including labs. Yeah. So managing that and kind of, kind of define my multitasking skills and time management skills in the sense that, you know, I have a biochem midterm one day and then the next day I have an organic chem midterm. It's like, how am I going to get all this stuff done? So go, and even I found with Ryerson, the hands-on experience um, definitely helped me with what I'm doing today and like develop my people skills, interpersonal skills, talking like being able just to be comfortable around people. Yeah. that
0: makes- and uh, Maurice, what did you do in your
3: undergraduate degree? So I actually, yeah, I did my undergraduate degree in uh, political science and international <laughs> justice and human rights. Um, and I was going to, uh, with every intention of becoming a lawyer. Um, so I thought I was going to be a human rights lawyer and it was going to be me and, and George Clooney. Uh, but no, Amal beat me to it. That's that's okay. She's, she's all right. Um, but yeah, uh, so naturally after... That didn't work out for me I ended up in tech for 20 years so yeah a complete like 180 and I just got involved in the tech industry uh in HR and 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 as a headhunter so yeah
0: (laughs) okay thank you and um so I think Christina the other Christina she's not going to come back on so this is just for Chris um how did you like Ryerson specifically like how was your undergraduate experience like
2: I loved Ryerson. I honestly wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world. Like what I decided to do in terms of going to Ryerson, it was definitely hectic. Um, you know, a lot of like, I want to say most of the days were really tough in terms of I know you guys don't commute like now this year, but commuting to Ryerson from all the way from Bonn was like an hour and a half commute. And then I remember even just like on the go train, I'd be like studying on my notes, just re- writing on my notes and all these like people who, work on bay street think like i'm crazy because they're in their suits and i'm like wearing my ryerson sweatshirt i'm like trying to study everything um but yeah even just like the experience of meeting the group of people that i met there because you're there practically like 10 hours a day so you're kind of forced to hang out with your friends and make friends with people in your classes um yeah
0: Thank you. And Maurice, like how did you like your undergraduate experience? Which university did you go to? I'm not sure if you, you said
3: it. Yeah, so I went to McMaster. Oh,
0: okay. So yeah. Um, residence.
3: yeah, I did residence. Um, I chose McMaster because it was like close enough to home that if I needed to get home, it wasn't that far, but far enough that my folks would have to call before coming to visit me. So um, it was kind of a strategic move in that regard. But uh, yeah, no, I, I loved my undergrad experience. Um, uh, I think second year, maybe I loved it a little too much. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a great experience, um, especially with the interdisciplinary program that I was in. Um, loved it because I got to meet students from other programs, which was great. Um, and then being in residence, I got to meet some friends who are still very close friends of mine to this day. So.
1: And so um, what, what was like your toughest thing for you in your undergrad? for myself. Yeah.
3: Um, it was, I think, definitely navigating the post-secondary education system. So I was the first one in my family to go to a post-secondary institution, um, in North America. So I'm, I'm an immigrant. So, um, like my, like, I wasn't the first in my family to go to post secondaries, but I was definitely the first in North, in a North American setting to go. So it was very difficult to navigate that on my own. Yeah. Um, and then I think just learn, like, School came very naturally to me in, in high school. Like it was yeah. like, honestly, it was just showing up, right? And then things just fell into place. I, you know, I did, I did well in the courses I, I took, but I didn't have to study very hard for it, which is, which is, um, which is weird, which is unfortunate. I think it put me in a bad situation um, because, you know, I, I when you get to university, it's so much more accelerated. Yeah. Um, you have to manage yourself. The workloads are different and you know, there's, there's, and then there's a whole other slew of distractions. So yeah, I was probably one of those things where like the toughest part was learning how to become a student again and, and be an academic again. So it wasn't until my third year um, where I kind of found my stride and then my fourth year was it was amazing, like, I was, I understood how to navigate the system, I knew how to study, I knew how to prepare for classes, I knew how to prepare for exams, midterms, and all that stuff, um, but yeah, yeah, I think that was probably the toughest thing, was just navigating that
1: was, the that was tough for me, too, in first year, like, learning how to study, and the best way to study, and mm-hmm. then transitioning to online, like, I think I had it in second year, and then transitioning to online, I was, like, I have to, like, figure out what's best for me again now mm-hmm. because like just the way we learned was so much different the way we were, we were tested like changed completely
0: so mm-hmm. it's like
1: having to do that twice kind of just like doesn't set you back but like makes you learn a bit a bit more about mm-hmm. how you learn
3: well I think um, it's, a, it's a skill that you know if that was res- that like agility and being able to learn different ways of doing things I think it's going to be a skill that a lot of students that are in this space right now that are going through the pandemic and learning in the pandemic environment, that's a skill that actually is gonna become pretty pretty helpful for them moving down the road.
1: Yeah, Um, I agree. Um, So Christina is back. Do you wanna just um, briefly introduce yourself?
4: Yes, sorry, my Zoom was acting funny. Um, So yeah, I work at Bell. I've been there for about a year or so now. Um, I'm in charge of providing support and guidance to hiring leaders um, and coordinating the full cycle of recruitment um activities for all management roles professional and support staff positions that's basically what I do at Bell
1: and so with regards to like what you're doing now is Mm -hmm. this what you pictured yourself doing and like what what was your undergraduate degree in
4: no it's honestly exactly what I wanted to do Um, my undergrad was human resources and I minored in law Um, so any anything to do with HR is kind of what I aim to do one day and um no, I'm happy I actually studied at Ryerson.
1: Yeah, so that goes into our next question. How did you like really like Ryerson?
4: Oh, like, I how- loved it. I loved being downtown, um, met a good group of friends. Um, unfortunately, I feel like with COVID, I don't think you guys have that same experience, but I loved being like downtown, eating out, and um, the whole experience as a whole. Yeah,
0: yeah, me too. It's so yeah. Fun. <laughs> Everyone, like um, Chris and Maurice, did a different program. Mm -hmm. Chris, you did science, and Maurice, you did political science, and you guys all ended up in the same kind of path, just from, like, different starting points. Yeah. It's, like, you can end up anywhere, no matter what your degree is, you can do anything. Thousand percent. Agreed. So, So, um, I think you all had to hire people. So, what is the... the top quality you look for when you're hiring someone. So maybe Chris, you can go first.
2: Yeah. So I'm actually um, in the process of hiring six candidates right now in my position. So the top quality I look for is someone who definitely I know will get along with my team. So one of the most comforting things I ever heard when I was applying for positions, and this was from one of my former bosses was, don't stress about the interview because the interview means that you're like you're qualified for the position what the interview is for is just to see if you will mesh with the team that's already in place so definitely one of the top qualities I look for is just my team is very you know outgoing and kind of everyone works independently so I just want to see will you be able to mesh with my team like are you a quiet person or are you more of an outspoken person because Within my team, like we definitely build off of like mutual respect, honesty, and trustworthiness. So if you don't display any one of those um, like values, it just, it, it strikes a chord with me and that kind of does veer me away. And then also I find one of the top qualities I look for is just be honest. So in the sense that if I call you, because normally how our, our process works is that I'll scan through the resumes and then I'll say, okay, you know, this person, they might not have the experience I'm looking for, but based on what their resume showing me like they've been working at a workplace like let's say two years three years they're not jumping between jobs so that shows me that they're able to hold a steady job um if I call them and say okay tell me about yourself and this this, and that and then in the interview they give me a totally different answer that's where I'm kind of like okay but two days ago you were giving me some other answer to this question but now all of a sudden you've done a 360 on what you're explaining to me so definitely what I look for is just somebody who's going to mesh with my team and someone who, and even in my interviews, like, it's not that I'm reading off the script. I'm bouncing off the questions that you're asking me. So, or that I'm asking you and you're responding to. So I remember this one interview I had this, I don't know, he was using a star method or something. Like it was this one candidate and he was like, just trying to go through this list in his head. And I looked at him, I was like, let's just talk about you. Like, I want to get to know you. Don't worry about your past experience, like, tell me about who you are, like what you'll bring to my team and all that.
1: And so what, like, how do you really determine if they're going to be a good fit for your team? Like, what type of questions would you ask? Or like, what you look for in their response?
2: Yeah, definitely. So you can tell when someone's kind of trying to feed you, like what you want to hear. So sometimes what I do is like, I'll ask them a question to throw them off. So yeah, I work, as I mentioned, I work for Longo. So one of the questions I throw them off with is, do you bake or do you cook and then they're like oh yeah i cook just to make it up and then i'm like okay what do you cook and then they can't even put together a recipe and i'm like like it's just be honest that's all what i'm looking for
4: yeah no i agree mm-hmm. um, i have a similar answer to that as well like i always look for if they have the must the must-haves and second if they're confident enough to speak on those must-haves the job description requires so I also find that sometimes people even undersell themselves in the interviews. Um, So really, you know, make sure that what you're applying for, you can really speak on it and relate it to all the must-haves and in in the job description itself so that the recruiter and the hiring manager can really connect those dots to make sure like you are a good fit for the role. Yeah, I think you guys like, I think it's a nice
0: balance. Like don't boast and lie and then Mm -hmm. don't like also don't forget all your qualities too. Like you make sure you touch upon all the qualities that you do have. So I think yeah. it's just finding a balance. But something that like, I'm not sure about when I'm in an interview, like I like to joke and like kind of be myself and be natural with the, <laughs> with the interviewer. But sometimes like I'm scared that I look like I'm not professional mm-hmm. at the same time. What's like a good balance of like, would you rather see someone more like proper and speaking well? or someone more like comfortable and acting like
4: themselves? Like what, what do you think? I feel like you have to be personable and you have to be authentic. So, you know, you can't just go through an interview and just hit all the points and be a robot. Like I, I find with me, I'm more comfortable hiring someone who is authentic and who can speak on things and joke around and connect with people um, on that level versus someone who makes no jokes and I don't see anything about the personality that I can think would mesh well with our team.
2: Yeah, and sorry, just to build on uh, Christina's point too. um, So it's kind of the, it's a fine line again between being professional and being personable because say, for example, if you're applying for an interview and you show up 10 minutes late, Mm -hmm. that right there is a huge no-no in my books. But if I have a candidate who's showing up, you know, 10 minutes early, five minutes early, I'm like, okay, this shows a level of professionalism. And let's say in the interview, I ask, okay, can you provide me with your like uh, references? And sometimes I've had candidates that are scrambling and they're like, oh, I don't have any on me. A professional candidate would have their resume printed out ready to come to the, and even though your resume might not be required, print out the resume, bring it to the interview, and come with a list of candidates that, uh, sorry, references that, you know, will eventually get that call for you to get the job. Okay.
0: Yeah. Those are really- uh, I
3: have to agree too, like it's about being authentic. Like, you know, like if you, if if your like facade gets you hired, then you're going to have to carry that facade the entire mm-hmm. time you're working there. So that's going to be really tough for you. Um, I think, yeah, definitely showing your personality is not a bad thing. You know, I, you know, if, just to maybe build on what uh, Christina was saying, you know, I think I don't know if the line is as fine as being, from being personal professional. Like there are things that you can do to show your personality without any, anywhere, coming anywhere close to being unprofessional, right? So like, yeah, I think it's okay. Um, I know my interview style is always to make people feel comfortable because I want the best out of you in the interview. So it's gonna be relaxed. It's, you know, it's not gonna be the interrogation um, but that's just my style, right? Um, the hiring managers I supported, they, they range the different styles. Um, and maybe just to build upon what you were saying earlier about like the quality that I look for, I think, especially in early talent is your ability to learn things, adapt to change, right? Like, it's like that HR question, like, what do you, where do you see yourself five years from now? Mm-hmm. Anybody five years ago who said, I'd be working through a major global pandemic? Whoever said that, right? <laughs> <laughs> that person wasn't around. Like, that, there's no way anybody called this, right? But, you know, what I'm looking for then, for people that are very adaptable and, and, and can learn things, because I'm willing to invest in you. So my company will invest in you if you've got these interpersonal skills, like communicating well, working well with the team. Like I love what Christina said about working well with the team, right? Um, But your ability to learn things, especially you, you yourselves, students in STEM, right? Where you're like, like you're updating your skill set every 16, 18 months, right? It's like updating those skill sets. So being able to do that, right? Because if you don't, then you're going to chances are you may be replaced, not necessarily by like the hiring manager, but by like automation and, Mm -hmm. and technology, right? So being able to be adaptable, um, you know, communicate well, uh, and then, you know, working well with others, those are really strong skills
1: that we, that I look for
3: in, in, in new talent.
1: Yeah. So essentially, like, I think obviously your resume gets you the interview. (laughs) So what do you look for on a resume? Like, what are some good tips
3: for making resumes? For me, it's always about relevancy. I think I always run into, like, we always try to ram every single experience we had into our resume. So, one of the things that I always kind of push back on a student is when, when they approach me is like, well, I want to create this perfect resume. I'm like, perfect for what? Like, it's got to be perfect for a job at Longo's or perfect for a job at Bell. But you can't use the same resume for Bell that you would use for Longo because. Mm-hmm uh oh my goodness yeah you're right you have the same name Christina and Christina are gonna be there and they're like wait you just just you just swapped out bell for Longo, and it's the exact same job sorry I just realized that we have panels with the same names um yeah so you know you have to be you you really have to tailor that resume right and the best way to do that is to be relevant so you have the job description look at the must-have qualifications or the skills that are needed and then see where in your experiences they match, right? Um, building on that, the other thing I tell students is like, don't like reframe what experience means. Cause it's a lot of students who are like, I don't have any job experience. I'm like, okay, well let's talk about that because you, you're going through an undergrad. So you're building experiences like your academic experiences count your extracurricular activities count, your volunteering counts, your, even some of your personal pursuits, right? As long as they're healthy, right? Like playing in a band or being on a sports team, those count and those build on experiences. So you can use like, oh, so I'm looking for someone with strong teamwork. Well, I play on, I play in a band. That's teamwork, right? Unless you're a soloist, but right. So you can talk about that. And, and translate over. So for me, it really is, it is about reframing experience and, and most important for me on a resume,
2: it's relevancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. sorry, that. just to build on, oh, go, go ahead, Christina.
4: Yeah, I was gonna say with relevancy, um, if you can print your resume and staple it, then that's probably too long of a resume. Um, and that's when you probably have to reconsider what's written on that resume. So if it's too long and you can staple that resume, it. That means there's a lot of unneeded information that isn't relevant to the job description. I know for me when I screen a resume and I don't see a must-have that's needed, I just move on to the next. Although they may have it, you only have so much time to really screen all the resumes that you do get for a posting. Mm-hmm. So just try to limit it to at least one page back in front, you know, ensure all the fonts mm-hmm. are the same size. Um, and like he said, just always relate it back to what the job description is asking for. Um, And you shouldn't really be using the same resume for each posting, always cater it to what the job posting is looking for. Yeah, and
2: just to build on what Maurice was saying as well. um, So when you, like some people who might say I have no job experience, but what you wanna do is you wanna pick and choose that type of qualities that you might've used in other Real world experiences. So, say for example, like I know, like for me, for example, I work, I manage a call center. So, I'm hiring call center representatives. So, even though you might have had experience as, let's say, for example, like um, a data entry scientist or something like that, you would want to put on your resume, okay, yeah, I worked at Ryerson University in a lab entering data, but you want to make it known that, okay, I was on a computer because, you know, a call center is going to be all computer. I do have some skills with talking to people because I had to get the data, let's say, from the professor, or I had to communicate with other uh, TAs or other labs to get the cells that I need to conduct this experiment to get the data. So, you want to, you have to tailor it to what you're applying for and pick and choose the qualities and the experiences that you learned from each job into your resume.
3: I think one of the best ways to also look at your resume, think of it as a marketing document. Mm-hmm really just highlights your, your the modern resume is about results, right? But how they relate to the job that you're applying to. Again, going back to um, Longo Christina and Bell Christina, right? They're going to want two different sets of results, right? And sometimes I think, and I, and I know that this sometimes stresses out students because, well, how do I quantify what I did? Well, talk about maybe the knowledge that you gained right? So you, you did a lab, what did you learn? And well, you deep, you deepened your knowledge in the scientific method. Or, you know what, before this lab, I didn't know how to use MATLAB. Now I know how to use MATLAB. Now that signals to recruiters and hiring managers that you've learned things, right? Or maybe you got a really great mark, right? Like, put that in. Same with you enter a case competition or a hackathon. Like it's, you know, if you came in first, amazing, that's the result. But if you came in like, you know, f- top five out of 205, that's also amazing. Or you just developed a knowledge of working you know, uh, in a team or you developed your uh, communication skills, right? Like focus on the results. That's what the new resume is about too.
1: Yeah. Great. Uh,
0: so I think we already touched upon this uh, about the interview, but um, are there some like main do's and don'ts that you guys have for when you're interviewing other people? So maybe Maurice, you can go first.
3: Yeah. So I think for, so do like the don'ts let's like, those are pretty, like pretty standard. I think they go across the board even for like, again, you're applying to different places, but like show up on time. Don't be late. Right? Like (laughs) this, when, so there is no Ryerson time on an interview, (laughs) the interviews at one, it's not one (laughs) ten. I adore that about you all, but not in an interview. Don't do that. So show up on time, right? Like aim to be early, but you know, don't like you don't show up in the lobby like half an hour early right just be there chill out relax it'll keep you relaxed right so be on time prepare I can't stress this enough prepare about you get to know what Longos does like (laughs) yes it's a supermarket but wait like what does that like what does that mean right get to know what Bell does Bell's a telephone company or a media company like get to know what they do so wherever you're interviewing do your research ahead of time get to know um, who you're meeting with, what the role is. Um, I think the biggest thing um, that sometimes students get really concerned about is um, not, being, not having an answer to a question. So if I ask you, have you ever had experience with the following? Um, it's okay for you to say no.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I have not had experience. So never lie right so don't make things up like I love Christina's like do you bake uh yeah look at me and then, <laughs> then she asks the question and you can't answer that's murder like you'll go like Christina will end the interview right there I like I would I'm would like okay thanks for your time right you just lied to me so what else are you gonna lie to me about but, so you can say you know what I haven't had experience with x but here's what I know it to be right like Like go through that job description and like wherever you have a gap, research. What is that thing that you don't know about? What is like, you can have a general idea. So I don't have experience with MATLAB, but I know what it does. And my research has told me, and to put your answer really over the top and let everybody know that you're interviewing with that you're capable of learning things. And here's what my plan would be to become more knowledgeable. People get really excited in an interview when you don't have an answer to something because we get to now see your problem solving skills.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, one
0: question that always stumped me prior was um if I ever had uh, an issue with authority like and how did I deal with the issue with authority like I never no, nothing to the extreme of like what they want me to answer so I never really knew what to say on the spot so I kind of did make it up in like prior <laughs> <interviews>. <laughs> I exaggerated because there's no like real issue like I wasn't no, nothing really happened, So like what would you be looking for for in that case if, if someone asks like a situational question that like you didn't really experience i think Just, in like, that never...
4: question they're they're trying to see if you're able to adjust to different management styles so there're going to be a lot of different managers that you're going to be dealing with throughout your career so they probably want to see if you're able to still maintain that relationship even if something doesn't work out between the two of you and maintain that work mm-hmm. relationship even if the personal level isn't there um, but I don't really know how that relates to your experience, but you definitely could have an idea because you probably did have a manager that you didn't necessarily love, um, but just kind of always tie it back in that you were able to solve the problem together um, and still maintain that relationship as a whole and not interfere with your duties at, at hand.
0: That's probably how I would
4: answer that. Yeah,
0: no, that makes sense. Just keep it general. Yeah, keep it general. But if there was like a small dispute, then we would solve it together. Yeah, I think that's that's good. Um, and, so uh, I, sorry,
3: sorry, yeah, I just want to maybe build on on what uh, Christina was saying. I'd actually maybe push you then on it or like dig a little bit deeper. I'm like, mm-hmm. why haven't you had an issue with one of your managers? Because and now this is a great opportunity for you then to showcase a skill set that you may have, right? Yep. Which is like adaptability, or you know, maybe I've just had really good you know, communication, I know how to manage up. Um it could be that you've worked with some brilliant managers, um, which is also good too, but then you know, it maybe you enter an environment where your managers aren't that strong or they're new. But I think, you know, making any kind of behavioral question you can flip into a situational question, right? So I haven't had experience with that, but here's what I would do in that situation.
1: Yeah. Speak on like soft skills.
3: Yeah, 100%, right? I think, but I think, though, don't be afraid to lean into it a little bit too, right? Because maybe, you know, like, especially with like, can you, you know, tell me a time where you had a conflict on your team? Well, I haven't. And here, I think this is why I haven't, right? I've always created like these great social contracts with the team, the team always knows when I'm a leader, like they know what our goals are. And then I'm always communicating with them, maybe sometimes over communicating with them on where we are with statuses, right? But, you know, so if you don't have the experience with something, right, I think one is, like, how will you become experienced in it? And two, maybe lean into, like, maybe the skill sets that have prevented you from having those kind of conflicts, right? Which is conflict resolution.
1: Yep. What about when it comes to, like, exposing your weaknesses within interviews? Like, Like, going back to the, like, have you ever had a problem with an authority question? Like, now that I'm thinking of it, like, I think I would be too shy to maybe stand up for myself or like say something but like would that be like exposing myself too much in like an interview like if if i tell them i'm shy are they not gonna like you know what i mean
2: yeah so when it comes to like that question too like sometimes like and it's like what they're also looking for is like they're looking for if you can if you have that skill set that you look for process changes you're looking for efficiencies within your job so it might not be that you have a problem with authorities but it might be that, you know, I've challenged my manager, I've challenged my supervisor on a certain process that we have within the company, something like that. So it's, and if you say no, no, it could mean it doesn't mean that you're too shy. Like for example, if somebody were to answer no to me, I would just say, um, okay, but if you did have a problem, what would you do? So then that's where it turns into like that, okay, if it's like, it turns into a situational question where it's like, if you did have it, how would you react in this situation?
1: Um, Marie,
2: did you
3: have something to add? Yeah, I was building on what Christina was saying, I think, I think if you if you let on that you have like, um, so I think part of the why they so full disclosure. I'm having a struggle with the question because I hate that question. What's <laughs> yeah. your greatest weakness? Right? <laughs> like, how do you avoid canned answers in an interview? Avoid asking canned questions in an interview. So I think interviewers are going to get are getting better, right? I think like myself, Christina and Christina are professional interviewers, right? Because that's what we do to hire, like we do in hiring in HR, right? But um, I think, so there's a couple of reasons why I know why that question gets asked, but it gets asked in better ways. like, one of the ways we used to ask, it was like, my previous employer, we have this employee benefit where each employee every year gets $2,500 to spend on professional development. Stefania, what would you spend it on? <laughs> right. And so, so, and, and again, like, we just want it. so a we want to see if you're aware of any blind spots that you have
2: mm-hmm.
3: but more importantly what are you doing to address those blind spots right so if if you do like if like i think going back to your you know original like oh well, i, I have, sometimes i have this issue with self-advocating for myself right okay what are you doing to resolve that that's i think where the real answer lies right that's where we want people to know right so like you know i had this awful awful fear of speaking in public to people so my boss (laughs) sent me to Toastmasters and I did this you know Toastmasters classes Um, I took some improv classes and you know what Uh, at last year's uh, all hands conference I actually spoke for 20 minutes uh, to the entire organization Mm -hmm. that's what people want to see because they're like okay you've addressed an issue you've gone out and solved the issue now you've put it into into play right Mm -hmm. so it's almost like it's kind of like the scientific method
1: right
3: here's the hypothesis i have a weakness here. here's what i gotta do to fix it and here's what i'm gonna do to try to fix it mm-hmm. maybe it worked maybe it didn't but at least i'm trying to fix it right? yeah. i don't know if yeah, that was yeah. a loose interpretation of the scientific <laughs> method please someone at me if i did. No, i is, think but...
1: that was pretty accurate I think thank was you
3: accurate. thank mm-hmm. you i appreciate that
1: okay so we'll move on now um so i'm not too sure if you guys have like input for this but what are some jobs that you think students like in science particularly should consider applying for um does anyone want to volunteer to go first
2: well it depends it all depends on what like interests you really because like for example when I was doing my undergrad I did like I think it was like a six-month contract where I was doing cancer research and I was like look staying in the lab all day looking at cells that was just not for me so you can't, I don't know, that question is a bit difficult. For me, it's difficult to answer because it's all tailored to what you want. So like, by the time second year came around, I knew like, okay, I, after taking advanced biochemistry, I was like, get me out of here. Like, I can't, this is like not my thing right now. (laughs) So I started leaning towards more, okay, I'm interested in like ecology and the environmental sciences. And then I started branching off more into okay, I like I like business. Let me take some. I did like economy and environment. Like I did science-based business courses at Ryerson, which are offered. I think as a professional, am I saying the is it the correct term? Professional elective or professional credit? Um,
1: like we take professional courses, but I yeah, haven't seen any like business-based courses? Oh. The professionals. Maybe you're talking mm-hmm. about upper, upper liberals.
2: Oh yeah, maybe something. Yeah, but. Definitely, like, it ta- you, you have to be in tune with what you like and what you don't like. And then from there, you can build on what jobs you would look for. Like, if you're doing, if you want to do, like, your master's, I would say, yeah, definitely talk to your professors, talk to your TAs, see what labs you can get into, see where you can help, even if it's just inputting data, like, inputting what the R value is of this certain cell, like, what's going on here, just get in tune with what you want and what you love to do not what's just you know okay i'm taking data science i have to do data science throughout the rest of my career no get get to know what you like and then tailor it to that way even if it's just an entry-level position like as simple as entering in numbers for a lab that's a great head start towards where you would like to see yourself in a career
1: yeah i think so. it's hard to know what you don't like until you try it out yeah exactly. so
2: Yeah. I'm just
0: wondering, when did you know, like what year were you when you knew you didn't want to do science? Was it third year
1: or second
2: year? Yeah, it was second year. I honestly found was the toughest year for me. Like it was brutal. And then I kind of was like, okay, let me stick it out for third year and see how I like it. And then third year, I had more freedom to choose the courses I wanted. So that's where I really, I strayed away from like the microbiology, the cell biologies, like all that I knew I did not like. And I always knew, like, I was just always a people person. I love to talk to people. I love to be around people. Like, working at home is honestly, like, it's the death of me right now. I cannot do this isolation thing. But I've always known that that's who I am. Like, I went to Ryerson for a reason, to meet a great group of people, to get involved in, like, the downtown community, be involved in the science um, union group there. And then it was really third year when I started branching off into, okay, let me just try out what this upper liberal is. Let me see what this economy course is. And that's where I kind of said, okay, you know, this is what I do prefer over what I'm studying right now. But I still continued on with my degree. Like I chose the science courses that definitely were tailored to my needs. So I did like um, topics in biology, I believe. Um, I did like a lot a lot of stuff with like the water, watersheds, ecosystems, environmental sciences, all that really drew, right? Like piqued my interest. Yeah. So
0: that's, that's comforting for people yeah. maybe like that are listening that are not really liking their degree you can always just change and take courses that you like that you're interested in no matter what i know i for well now i picked courses for fourth year i have the freedom to choose anything like Mm -hmm. i choose like i chose like um like a space course uh like physics like astronomy like that's something i'm interested in like why not i want to explore like different things so yeah i think this is a sign for anyone listening just to pick things that you're interested in
1: I think, yeah, and, first, sorry. I think first and second year are really tough because you're like forced to take courses that you might not like. Like I hated physics so much and I hated, I didn't hate calc, but it's just like I wanted it to be over with. But then when you get to, for like our first years here and our whoever is in first or second year here, um, when you get to third year, I think you'll enjoy it a lot more just because of the freedom you have to choose your courses.
2: Yeah, I definitely, like third year was definitely like, the, I remember like that's when everything kind of clear, clear, cleared up for me I was like you know this is like what I want to do like I'm finally tailoring to my own needs not just what I'm set out by the university in order like it's not just the qualified credits I need in first and second year in order to get my degree at the end of fourth year yeah and one thing too as long as you have a strong work ethic that is the biggest thing like if you're and I know like everyone here you guys are all in science so you know what it's like To make sure that you have your labs due at 11:59 p.m. tonight, don't hand it in at 12:01. Keep yourself to that 11:59 deadline because that helps to build your work ethic down the road. So the amount of times that I like had to pull all nighters just to get something submitted instead of, you know, I could have slept for those eight hours and then taken the 10% doc, but no, I said to myself, I need to get it done by this time by the deadline because down the road when it comes to, you know, the workplace. You might say to your boss, your boss might say, hey, Friday, I need this on my desk. And then you might go up some Thursday and say, can I get it to Monday? And they're gonna say, no, I. we discussed Friday. It needs to be done by Friday.
1: Yeah, it's really just applying like what you gain in your undergrad to like yeah. real life experiences. Um, Maurice, do you know any like, like I know Christina answered it really well, but do you know any like specific jobs? I know you you uh, mentioned the job last week.
3: Yeah, so I, I definitely, so I, I agree with Christina that it's about like, what are you interested in? Like, what are you curious about? Right. And I think, you know, just to build on what Christina was saying, I think allowing, or I feel that allowing yourself to be curious about things is so important. Right. And, and I love it because it's like you're scientist So this is like a natural inclination for you to be curious about things. Like, cause I think those days of like your job being like the thing you do for the rest of your life for 45 years and then at the end of it gold watch thank you for your time at bell thank you for your time at longos i don't know if that's realistic anymore right it can be like there's some there's some people that can do that right and then i like i hope that everybody has a long fruitful career at the place they enjoy but things change right so allow you to be, allow yourself to be curious and, and don't think that just because you say i want to be a biologist that's all you're ever going to do right yeah. like you can do, do things so one thing I've been looking at though in terms of labor trends, I think I, so my, my, my feeling has always been is like, I look at sectors versus like job classifications and functions. Um, so I feel that a sector that's gonna be growing and this is really good for science students on, on today's webinar is like the healthcare center, right? Like sector, right? So like we got epidemiology, immunology, microbiology. I feel that those like nothing like a good global pandemic to like, Hey, you know what? That we should be paying more attention to what's going on here. Right. So I think that's going to be really growing. um, And that space is going to grow. And then you have the associated jobs associated with that. Like that was, that was, sorry, that was redundant, but you got the associated roles that, Um, come out of those. So like lab technicians, whether they're in chemical, chemical technicians or, or biology technicians. Right. So you'll see a growth in that role. Um, Biotech is going to be growing quite a bit. We're living longer. Um, Some of those, some of those, uh, as a result of some of these technologies, genetic counselors is a growing field. Uh, I see quite a bit about that. And then health analytics, right? Like Fitbit your Apple Watch, your, your phones are keeping track of your health analytics, right? So that to me, I think is a growing area too, tied to data analytics and data science. I think so students are like always like, well, I wanna be a data scientist. Oh, okay. What data do you want to be a scientist for, right? Because like, we've got it in retail, social media, like the music industry is looking at data analytics, sports, like my favorite sports, they're all now looking at like these new found, stats right HR HR analytics I don't know if Christina and Christina you had to deal with this but like that's the new thing people analytics is the new thing right so this Mm -hmm. is where I see scientists going into then there's frontline healthcare, like the PA program the physician assistant program is growing um scientists are going into policy Mm -hmm. so you know if you look at like how we're dealing with the current uh opiate crisis it's being looked at as a health issue not a criminal justice issue scientists are involved in that kind of policy, right? Because I grew up like in the eighties, nineties, right? Where drugs were treated as a complete, like you lock people up. Now you're trying to help these folks, right? Through policy. So we're looking at gun control as more of a health care issue versus a legal issue, right? So I think scientists are gonna be involved in that. Um, And then environmental. So, you know, Christina, you talked about, you know what you were interested in like climate change, right? Like we're, What's the next pandemic? It's gonna be person-made, unfortunately, I think. Um, so we're looking at renewable energies, environmental technology. We're gonna want scientists involved in that. I've already talked about data analytics. And then I think science communication is gonna be a growing... How many of you on this call have to explain to those that you love that aren't scientists about wearing masks, the efficacy of the vaccine, why there's multiple vaccines? Yes, it was rushed, but that doesn't mean it's unsafe. Like. I think science does a poor job of communicating what it's meant to do, right? I don't, it's because, you know, it's not something that normally was talked about, but now we need, because of the explosion of like social media and communication tools, like you need to be more, you have to be articulate about what it means to people like myself who aren't scientists, right? Why I should be double masking? Why I should continue to wash my hands? Why, you know, this this vaccine is gonna be safe for me, right? So I really think those are the sectors that are, really going to grow and then there's one other thing that we really haven't talked about is that non-traditional sectors like insurance finance even spaces in tech are looking at science students because you come with a different set of skills right that are in demand for a lot of different sectors right now so really your bsc i always want like students to think about their bsc is not just like I can only do medicine, I can only do research. Like your BSC opens the world to you from like the entire like industry of science, right? Where you can go into operations for a pharmaceutical company. You can go into customer care for, a ph- for, for like a medical device company, right? Um, so yeah, like it, is, it can not be overwhelming like like being an all-you-can-eat buffet, right? When we used to be able to do those sort of things, right? There's so many opportunities for me, but like, which one do I try out, right? And this is the time to try to experiment with that, yeah. so.
2: Yeah, and another thing too, that I noticed was growing, pre-pandemic um, sustainability. So a lot of companies were releasing these sustainability reports. So, and if you go on a lot of companies' websites, they now have just a certain like tab that's for strictly sustainability. So. That's another growing sector as well. Like every company right now, if you go on their website, chances are they probably are hiring somebody to complete these sustainability reports. So don't get scared because it's, let's say it's Bell Canada. Don't be scared that you don't have any experience as like a mechanical engineer. Or you're not, You're. I'm just a biologist. But no, you have that sustainability um, knowledge where like you were dealing with your environmental sciences. You have that background in science. So that definitely is a growing field as well. And I know like, for myself, the Longos, we also own Grocery Gateway, which is our online delivery service. So the big thing there is like, okay, what's your sustainability report? Because you guys are using trucks. What's your what's the diesel fuel emission that you guys are doing annually? How much plastic are you guys reducing? How much water are you guys reducing? All that stuff.
1: Yeah. Grocery Gateway even has like this eco fee. And people mm-hmm. people, people are always like, what's this eco fee that I have to pay? And like, if you go, if you like, click on like, what's the eco fee, it, like shows you like, oh, like, um, I'm pretty sure it says like we fund um, research for sustainability, um, like the lighting in the warehouse, the trucks and like the bank, like all that. Um, but yeah, I think that was great.
4: Uh, Christina, P Pellegrino, um, do you have anything to add? I feel like you guys really touched base on everything. I honestly don't have much else to add to that question, but um, yeah, okay yeah, thank you.
1: Um, and we'll um, move on. So what advice would you give to your second year self now that you are where you are?
4: I would say to be patient. I know um, when I was in second year, I kept thinking, what am I gonna do? What's my next step? Who's gonna hire me with no experience? I think how I see it is that whatever work you put in is what you'll get back. So just keep up what you're doing now and work as hard as you can. And it 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 will eventually come where you'll find exactly what you're looking for. And um, yeah, so I would just say, just be patient with the the process. Yeah,
1: thank you. And Maurice, you were laughing before.
3: I was kind of hoping you wouldn't catch that. Um, So yeah, oh no, my camera was on. Um, Yeah, you know what, I think, well, A, it was so long ago, Uh, B, you know, what? I'd like to go back and tell myself to be, to take a more active control in my like professional development. Right. Like it was you, you, when you're in second year, you're like, Oh, I have all this time to figure this out. Or I'm just in second year. What do I have to think about my career? I've got like two more years. I, I gotta get by stats. Like I can't even think like I have a stats file. It's preventing me from getting my honors degree. It's going to kill me. Right. But I just wish like, yeah, I, I take an advantage of some of the systems in place. Like, you know, you, like, not like, and I know this is a bit of a shameless plug for the uh, Car- Rice and Career and Co op Center, but like, don't wait. Like, I shouldn't have waited till like my last semester of my fourth year to go, oh, we have a career and co op center here, <laughs> right? Like, oh, we have like leadership development skills here, courses here. Um, like, I shouldn't do that in my, my final year, right? So, like, take a more active role in your, in your, um, in your in your professional development like it's never too early to start and even if you don't have like a direct line of sight into you what your career future looks like like it's okay just to go in and say I don't have a clear line of sight into what my career looks like when I graduate that's okay like that's what we're here to do to support you so I think just yeah taking more advantage of that and, and maybe less less pub nights second year yeah thursday night pub night just you know you didn't really need to go to every one of them (laughs) and that's the other thing i would probably tell second year maurice
1: (laughs) (laughs) um and christina since you like took biology at ryerson what would you what advice would you give to us
2: yeah so it's funny maurice made me laugh about stats because my advice was literally gonna be like don't worry about that stats final you just failed like it's like (laughs) that i just remember like looking back at like my first and second year, I was just like, my advice I would say is like, don't just don't focus on that. That grade you get, like, don't, if you get a C it's okay. You can make it up on the final. You can make it up on your next assignment. Don't get wound up over just one grade that you got on one assignment or one midterm, or even if it's the final at the end of the day, everything will work out. I know it sounds cliche, but yeah, trust the process of everything. Um, And Even as Marie said, I waited a bit too long to go to the Ryerson Career Center for advice. I went in my fourth year, I was like freaking out. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do with my degree once I graduate, but definitely start taking advantage of it and all the opportunities you have at Ryerson and everything that they provide you with in terms of like co-op and like the Career Center. Talk to those people. Don't be afraid to reach out. For me, my biggest thing was, getting out of my comfort zone because, you know, I was so accustomed to my own little bubble that it took me four years to finally like kind of break out of it and go to the Career Center. I know as little small as that sounds, sounds that really kind of forced me to go out of my bubble. So just don't be afraid to get outside of your comfort zone, even if it's something as small as yes, going to the Career Center and getting more in touch of, hey, what are my options? I need some guidance and what I want to do next. Mm
4: -hmm. The resume that I have now was actually from the Career Center. They helped me like cater the resume and it's honestly, it is a very useful, is it a program or I guess department that you guys have at Ryerson, but I definitely used it too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, They they helped me build my resume. Yeah.
3: That's (laughs) awesome. Good to hear. And it's a full service that we provide and like you have access from the minute you accepted the offer to Ryerson, like you could have booked an appointment with me like that first after you said, yeah, I'm coming to Ryerson, you have access to that. And then you have access to the service five years after your final academic year. So if you like, if you decide to do your master's, like it's five years after you finish that, if you do your PhD, right. Um, And even if the even if you're like, again, like I said, even if the conversation is, I have no idea. I have no idea. Like, honestly, though, seven times out of 10, like 70% of the time you actually do, like I'll have a student come in and it's like I have no clue and they'll tell me three different things. I'm like, you know, those are like three different career paths you can totally follow. And like, really, it's, yeah. So it's yeah, it's like it's there. Just I think yeah, being like taking that active control and like taking a course like this, like Rice i sign Match, fantastic. Like because yeah. not only you get to hear from like industry professionals like myself, Christina, and Christina, but you get to hear from your profs, researchers, PIs, right, on how they like traveled through this and like they can give you their insight too so have conversation with your professors your TAs um like it's very rare that I've run into someone that doesn't genuinely want to give you a tip or some advice or even just help
1: yeah um we have a question in the chat for you Maurice how do we get in contact with the career and co-op center can we just yeah
3: I should uh I will put that (laughs) in uh so every uh so I'll put the link into the co-op site um the career and co-op center site I remember
1: remember when I like booked an appointment with you I just emailed you directly
3: you can also do that too now you can actually so there's a little book an appointment tab here that actually gets (laughs) access to my calendar Um, but I understand that sometimes I it's hard to book an appointment with me and since I've been in this course with you all since since can't remember january yeah um you can email me too and just email just actually do me a though. look at the calendar first to see if you see something if you don't then you can email me here and
0: uh, also someone else had a question as well sorry
1: yeah.
3: that's okay you can email me uh just tell me what your schedule or, or do me a favor and like um attach your schedule so that way, I'm not trying to go back and forth with you like four different times to find a time. Um, but yeah, try try through the system. I update the booking every Friday. Uh, hot tip: It's usually up by like 9:30 in the morning. If I don't have a uh, nine o'clock meeting, um, it'll be updated every Friday for the following week. But I understand sometimes it's difficult. You can't find a time. Just just email me too. All right. Don't don't but don't let that be a barrier. Um, and if you can't get an appointment with me, my colleague, uh, Katon can also support you, who's actually a neuroscientist um, postdoc. So if you want to talk about, like, career switches um, and just talk to another scientist, he's available,
1: too. Awesome. Okay, perfect.
0: Was there um, another question?
1: Yes. Someone
0: asked if uh, anyone has taken a minor. I personally am not taking a minor. Neither.
1: I, I wish I took a minor in psych,
0: but... I'm just wondering if that actually helps with anything like I I don't know what advantages that gives really actually Christina you said that you took a minor in law
4: yeah um I think it did honestly help with my getting into Bell because the must-have was employment law knowledge so I remember in the interview they asked me that experience and I and I said oh I actually minored in law and I learned that in um in a couple of the courses so I think that honestly kind of landed me the role that I have.
0: Well, to take a minor, you have to take a certain amount of courses. Is that all it is?
4: Yeah. So instead of taking one course, you just take the one that is strictly for the minor itself. Okay. So it's, not, Ryerson, it's honestly not too challenging.
3: Yeah, sorry, Christina, I didn't mean to speak over you. I think at Ryerson it's six credits on a specific okay. topic, right? Gets you a minor? So, um, I like, yeah, like Christina said, like, I think it's a, it's a great way. So I took a minor, um, yeah. And actually it it comes up a lot more (laughs) now, um, in conversations than it does like, than my major did, um, because it, like, it was a great conversation starter. And also I think some, some people were curious about it when I, uh, when I did it, but, um, yeah, I think it's a great way for, especially if you've got like an interest in that particular field right or that particular area of study I think it's a wonderful way to round out your career now it does challenge you because it then doesn't like you take more of those courses and you can't take some of the other ones to explore different things so that's the only I think for me that was one of the drawbacks like I was very limited in what I was able to take um because I had to be in that minor and then I had I chose um my major I
1: think at Ryerson depending on what you're minoring in you can like Fill out some paperwork and have those courses, like because sometimes, like we have a requirement where like the upper liberal, upper liberals and the professional courses and the lower liberals. I think you can have certain courses for your minor count towards your degree, um, like as a requirement as an upper liberal or a lower liberal, um, so that you don't have to take those extra six courses outside of your program requirements. So I think that filling out that paperwork would help ease your course load maybe. Um, we'll move into, I'm just going to ask you guys some questions about coping with COVID because I feel like everyone needs a bit bit, bit of advice. Um, So we'll start with Chris. What is your biggest challenge with COVID and what are your your strategies for coping? Um,
2: My biggest challenge is definitely um, just being like, it's just the isolation for me, like not being in the office like it's like I literally like because I'm working I'm working from home there's like six other people in this household so there's very limited space of where my computer is So I'm literally next to my bed so it's hard to have that separation of like you know this is my relaxing area versus when I'm at work I'm in a strictly like operational mode like this is I have to get x y and z done so my my biggest way of coping with it is I try to get out as much as I can in terms of like just going for a walk or even just every hour I'll walk downstairs just talk to my mom go back upstairs or like even if it's like treating myself to like some chips like just take the small wins I know that's like silly as that sounds but that's really what I've been doing to cope with it and it's just trying to get out as much as I can I know the winter was really tough because it was freezing cold and you know ski hills were closed so it's like I can't really do anything even if it was an activity um yeah but just trying to get out as much as I can
1: Yeah, I've heard people say like, they don't feel like they're working from home. They feel like they're living at work,
2: which is just- Oh
4: wow, that's a good way Mm -hmm. of putting it. Yeah. (laughs) Cause I find myself when it's five o'clock, like I don't sign off, like I continue working.
2: Um,
4: So I feel like that commute home they say, help to like separate work from Mm -hmm. home. Since we don't have that, it's hard. But yeah, I would say that would be the biggest challenge with COVID
1: like stepping off at five like signing off at five
4: o'clock yeah
3: we're just signing off
2: yeah well right. that's
4: the thing and then i would sign back in on my like my work phone so right. like it's yeah. it's hard to like completely disengage from work life
2: yeah. and
1: how below, do you try yeah. to avoid that like how is your what's your like Strat? no i'm talking to uh, christina what's your like um like how do you try and avoid I back. feel like
4: now I say okay five o'clock time to go for a walk outside like don't look at your computer emails can be done tomorrow and I feel like now now that it's going to be summer and nicer weather I it might be a little bit easier but um now I'm making it like a point that a five o'clock walk time or workout like yeah making yeah. sure I have that schedule so that I'm not Kind of going into my personal
2: life yeah Yeah. and to build on what christina was saying too like what i found helped me a lot too was it comes down to just open communication so me and my boss we have a great relationship like i'm very lucky in that sense but you know if i'm having a day where i say to him hey like you know i need just to take the day off or you know i'm signing off at five like he knows like okay it's christina's time for her to just focus on herself like i'm not gonna like she won't be on her work phone she won't be answering her emails because I, like I think everyone has that habit. Like I wake up at 7 a.m. and I go grab my phone because that's my work phone, and I see all these emails. I'm like, okay, let me start answering these emails as soon as yeah. I'm not even out of bed, right? So it's just about building. You have to know what you want and what you need, and having that open and honest conversation with your um, your direct report, so either your, your manager or your supervisor, just saying, hey, this is kind of what I do need because, and I know it's a topic a huge topic during this pandemic but it is ultimately impacting my mental health like I'm like stressed 24-7 because I just keep on thinking about work I can't get out of this room so just being honest with yourself and with your workplace about what you are going through
1: yeah
0: yeah I think that's important for students too because we're working mm-hmm. all day and it's not mm-hmm. even you have like a nine-to-five job like Usually I would go to school nine to five or till whatever time, come home and do homework. It's now like I wake up, do homework all day until like 10 10 at night or like 11 at night because like people be messaging you, oh, like, did you do this for this lab? It's like, okay, got to open my laptop, add this to my lab. Of course, I forgot (laughs) that. It's just, it's a lot. So I think it's important for for us students to, to cut off our time too. Like we have to enforce that for ourselves. Like we never had that with schools to have like a certain time to do homework. So I think COVID really taught us self-discipline and like, okay, at this time, don't look at your stuff. Don't think about school, go outside, go work out. So I, I think we actually learned a lot from this. Yeah.
3: I think building in the transition periods are so critical too, right? Like I know people always joke with me that I, I, like I, I honestly, it's about getting up and having a shower and getting dressed like I'm going to the office. So that's why I wear a tie. Like, and then at like that time when I'm going to log off, when I'm done my work, like the tie comes off and I go into my, my hoodies and my sweatpants. Right. But I don't work in hoodies and sweatpants. And it's just, it just, it just just builds that routine for me. Right. That transition period for me. Um, because I think, yeah, at first it was like, it was like, like, yeah, I was like, I didn't know what day it was because I didn't change, right? It was just like hoodie, sweatshirt, like, right? <laughs> That's how I knew, but then I'm like, no, I can't do this. So I would get up, shower, put on a shirt and tie and pants, right? And it's like like you're dressing to go to the office. And I think, you know, as a student, you can do the same thing, right? Like it's really easy for you to roll out of bed and then go right to the, like go into work. So building that routine that you would normally do, like where you roll out of bed, get some breakfast, shower, change, like if you're going to the class, classes, right? so and like yeah and then just trying to simulate commutes for myself right it's a little bit hard in the winter because i usually walking in the cold who enjoys that but like that like i would just pretend i'm walking to union station so that's a 20 minute walk from union to ryerson so i would do a 20 minute walk and i would put on like you know my my uh podcast so always like a science based podcast in the morning because that's what i did on my way because i have to understand what you guys are all talking about and on the way home it would be like some you know geek core sports type Podcast, right? And that's how I break up my day. And then when I come home, the tie comes off, you know, and then I go to the hoodie and sweatshirt and, and sweatpants, right? So that's, and then my day's done, right? And I have to be disciplined with that on that. But yeah, I think, and like having those transition periods for yourself, right? Uh, and I know that's for some of us, like we don't, like we work where we sleep, right? So then just wake up, do your morning routine, don't go right to the computer, right? Try to, try to build those in. But, uh, I do miss the freedoms that you know. I do miss the freedom. I miss the freedom of going into work, seeing you all on campus. Like I do miss that. So
1: yeah, and I wanna I wanna ask the Christina's the question you brought up last week. Like what if we like when we hopefully go back to normal, like what mm-hmm. would you not want to change? Like, do you know do you know what I mean?
4: I like that well with COVID, you're saying like Yeah, like what
1: would you not want to change for when we go back like when you go back to the office?
4: I honestly love that I'm able like, for example, my walks at five o'clock, I would never have done that if it wasn't for COVID. I would come home at like seven o'clock after I commuted home and I would just get ready for the next day to wake up at 6.30 in the morning. So I feel like that balance I really would miss. So I don't know if maybe if we go back into the office, I can leave earlier so I can come home at five and maybe start earlier so I can have some sort of life after work. I don't
1: know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Christina, what would you want to stay
2: the same? Um, I, I, I would like to still continue to work from home at least once a week, not five days a week. Um, only because with COVID, I feel like everyone really has a new appreciation for like work-life balance because at the beginning there was no work-life balance. It was just work, 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 work. Like we weren't used to this. So it was like, oh, let me just check my emails. Let me respond, let, let me take a call. Like, let me jump on a meeting right now. But eventually now, and a year into it, it's kind of like, yeah, I have kind of separated it of a work-life balance. So, and I think that a lot of employers have started to appreciate, like, we need to start honoring this type of work-life balance that our employees are having working from home because they're able to just go downstairs and have a family dinner. They're able to just go outside and, you know, talk to like a neighbor, even though like you're six feet apart, but you're still able to have that interaction. So Definitely, I would like to still continue working at least one day from home, or if that's if it's still going to go back to five days a week in the office. Um, I really hope that, like from COVID, like the employers do learn, like every team member needs that work life balance, and we should honor that.
4: Yeah. yeah,
1: it's it's funny because like you said, like your like boss or whatever, like really realizing the work life balance that employees need, and students are realizing that professors are finally not like not like they didn't care before but now they're more caring like if you need that extension it's okay like we're all human we're all going through something and like i feel like before they didn't really think about like people are going through their own stuff at home and like now they're kind of forced to think about that because like we're stuck in our home so whatever you're with you can't really leave that right Mm -hmm. um so yeah i just think like it kind of clashes um do julia do you want to do breakout rooms now um, I'm not sure. Like, I think we should just do more of like a group discussion. Okay. That's fine,
2: I like the group discussion. Yeah, the group discussion.
1: <laughs> I'm, learning stuff. I'm learning i, know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, no. <laughs> Does um anyone from like the audience have any questions? Um, Julia, do you want to stop recording? <laughs>